You're listening to Pioneering Personal Finance featuring Robert Zizzo. Do you have questions regarding tax planning and tax preparation? You'll find the answers here. Do you have questions about financial planning? You'll find the answers here as well. And now, here are your co-hosts, Kevin Zucker and Robert Zizzo. Thank you for listening to Pioneering Personal Finance featuring Robert Zizzo. My name is Kevin Zucker. I'm the co-host. And today is our inaugural episode, right? Yes. Episode one. It is a beautiful day in Milwaukee today. Yes, it is, Kevin. Do you get to spend some time outside at all? Um, no, I've been working all day. Okay. That's a good thing, right? It Work is. Work is good. And you have a really interesting gig, you know, as we've gotten to know each other just a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk pioneering your new approach to personal finance. I think it's really cool. Today, we're going to discuss why combining tax planning with financial planning makes sense. And if you currently aren't getting that and why you should ask for it, tell me some of the main reasons why that's important and interesting for people. Well, Kevin, I think it's so important that people think about both the financial side and the tax planning side. And really, I think tax planning is is broadly overlooked. A lot of people have a financial advisor. Um, they have somebody that does their tax preparation for them. But really, in between the two is what I call tax planning, where you look at the historical data from tax preparation, and now you're filling in the pictures. We're projecting things into the future to say, okay, as I'm accumulating, how is this going to affect my tax situation now and later? And are there any significant things that I should be aware of during accumulation in preparing for distribution? And that really is on the tax side. Awesome. I, you know, I'm just kind of your everyday person, I guess, when it comes to my finances, you know, we save our receipts all year long. We, uh, we've got the big shoe box that then turns into the medium size UPS box that turns into the big size UPS box. So give me kind of, uh, you know, is this for everybody? Should everybody be paying attention to this potential uh, new offering and diversification of your service? Absolutely. Because again, like you're describing tax preparation of collecting all of those important tax documents that come in the mail, you know, correctly putting them into the tax return is one thing, but then actually sitting back and interpreting, hey, this is what happened in my tax situation this year. And again, from that standpoint, on a year-to-year basis, there may be very little to do to change last year's tax outcome. But when you start to look at it going forward, you can identify, hey, based on where this tax reform is today and based on where my situation is, how can I be proactive looking forward? And most people do not do that. They may accurately prepare their taxes, but they may not actually understand what happened on their tax return. So what you're doing is you're taking this like a step further than people that would typically go to a a big conglomerate or or a national chain of sorts when they have tax time ready. You know, they just kind of roll in and make an appointment you know you you offer more of an individualized service as to what makes sense for for that person or family yes and i don't know if this sounds appropriate but most people need somebody to think for them when it comes to financial issues you know a lot of people work they you know sure. they go to work from 9 to 5 they come home after work they you know take a shower they try to have game time with the kids or whatever and they're not thinking of their financial situation. I've learned so much from watching people's mistakes that you just develop an intuition of, 
what people should be doing, and yet most people are not thinking of that. You've built a one-stop operation that not only deals with financial planning and that aspect of what you know is is important, but the tax prep side as well. Yes. First of all, let's start off with a little story. Like you're saying, there's so many people that when we interact them with them during tax time, again, they have their little shoebox or they have their folder of documents and they kind of slide them across the table <laughs> right? and they say, I think everything's there because my husband put it together ah. or my wife put it together. But in reality, it's almost this fear of pushing it across saying, I have no idea what's in that folder. Sure. Please advise me if I have what I need. Okay. I know who I'm going to be calling as, <laughs> as I get a little bit closer to April again. So but, but let's go back into you know the whole process. Yeah. Again, I think we're talking a little bit about tax preparation. Sure. And that's a part of what it is, but it's really developing a holistic plan. Our job is to walk with individuals and see their entire situation and become that trusted consultant when you know something happens, they lose their job from work or something. Before they make a decision, they call and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Right. And I say, hey, let me stop you and let me ask you a couple questions before you do anything. And what's happening is we're trying to avoid people from making mistakes sure. and later consulting and saying, hey, this is what I did last year. Can you fix it? And we say, probably not. Uh, so the whole premise is trying to be proactive, starting with what we have today, but then walking together to establish what we need to and having that reference to help you make the decision so you can feel comfortable that you have someone working your situation while you're out there enjoying your life and your family and those things. You're listening to Pioneering Personal Finance, featuring Robert Zizzo. Not getting too ahead of ourselves, tell me how you got started in the financial planning industry. A little birdie told me that you were an Apache helicopter pilot in the U.S. Army. Yes. That's amazing. So I enjoyed my time in the Army. They have a program called High School to Flight School. Okay. So after one year of college, I joined the Army and went through what they have a Warrant Officer Candidate program. So I went through basic training. Right. And then I went through Warrant Officer Candidate School and then flight school and spent six years in the Army flying Apaches. And it was interesting. When I left the Army, I came back and I went to my first doctor's appointment and they have their little questionnaire and they said, hey, have you been to any foreign countries in the last three years? Sure. And I wrote a list of about 13 or 15 countries that I had visited over that last period of time. So it was just a great opportunity. I had a chance to meet my wife while I was in the military, but getting back, so how did I go from you know, being in the army to being financial services. Yes. Well, there's a there was a couple things. First of all, when I got out of high school, like many people getting out of high school, my kids especially, as one's graduating now, um, don't know necessarily what they want to do. And so my parents, my dad was a construction, he built spec homes, and he said, Rob, do me a favor, don't follow me. And I said, well, then what should I do? And at that up time, I applied to the Army to be a combat engineer. Wow. Sounds like a good title, right? But when you find out what it actually means, maybe it wasn't something of interest. Um, but at that time, I said, 
well, I don't really know what I want to do. And my parents said, well, just go to college and you'll figure it out. Right. So I went at that time. I was, you know, in high school, started snow skiing in Connecticut, which is more like skiing on ice. Sure. Um, and I loved a passion of skiing. So I went to the back of Ski Magazine and I said, hey, here's a college in Colorado that I can major in as ski area operations. Mom and dad, what do you think? And they said, Sounds like a college. So we packed up the sedan, drove out to Colorado, and I spent one year out in Colorado Mountain College. Um, And it was interesting because when I was in college, it was the first time that as a young adult, I said, wow, this is about my future instead of just completing what my parents wanted me to do. And so that was quite the realization. And it was also a shock when I found out that the local tuition was like a couple dollars a credit. And here, me being an out-of-state tuition was paying thousands. So after the first year of successful year, I came home. And unfortunately, my dad was dying of cancer and passed away as soon as I got home. So that was the first opportunity where I had learning about personal finance because as a young pre-college grad, my mother was thrown into financial services because she was taking over the family budget, the family assets, things like that. And so while I stayed home for that gap year per se, it was an opportunity to walk along her and learn about investments, learn about insurance, learn about budgeting and things like that. So really it was that what created my initial interest And being a little bit of a numbers geek, I started tracking mutual funds on Excel spreadsheets. And, you know, I was under the naive impression that whatever did well over the last seven days is going to do well over the next seven years. Um, And again, back in 2000s, or excuse me, in the 90s, that was when the markets really, you could throw a dart at anything and you would get a substantial rate of return. So that's where, as I was tracking these numbers, we were seeing some phenomenal things. So I started learning about investing. At that point, I was at a crossroad. Um, you know, my mom was comfortable. She was sufficient. I was bartending. I became a private pilot in the anticipation of something in aviation. And I faced a crossroad. What am I going to do now? Am I going to go back to college? I actually had a passport to become a ski instructor in New Zealand. Oh I gosh. thought maybe I'd be a ski bum. Sure. Um, I, ha- I got accepted to culinary school in Johnson and Wales. Um, and I got wow. accepted in the army to fly helicopters. And again, as a young person making a commitment for the next six years, um, a contract with the military, it seemed scary, but I went ahead and did that. And again, then on the financial side, the military is such a great program, and yet it is such a dependent system mm-hmm. for the people that are part of that. And so while we were in the military, having some background in finance after i met my wife and we got married again that was 28 years ago coming up in you're august you're not even that old to be married 28 years well we did get <laughs> married quite young i'll wow. tell you that kevin okay and so along that that route um we were starting to save all of my wife's salary she was also in the military she was a sergeant i was okay. a warrant officer which is not allowed that's called fraternization oh okay so we weren't allowed know. to date 
but we were allowed to get married. So interesting enough, Very we, interesting. we met in March of 1990, um, didn't date, but then got married in August of 1990. Wow. Um, and we were actually scheduled to get married in September of 1990, but that was while the desert storm was going sure. on and my wife's unit was going out to be deployed. And so therefore... My family was coming down for a wedding in September, and I had the joy of calling them on August 12th and saying, hey, just so you know, we got married today at the pool, wow. so you're welcome to come and visit, but there will be no wedding in September because we're already married. Wow. So quite quite the story. That's a great story. You know, and while I was in the army, you know, again, I continued to invest money. We continued to save money. And when my wife and I were, you know, deciding, do we want to stay in the military? Do we want to earn a pension? Things like that. We both had aspirations to leave the military. Mm -hmm. We wanted to feel comfortable in starting a family. And because we accumulated money, we felt the level of comfort in making that transition away from the military. Sure. And it would have shocked you to hear how many people, all of our peers, who are like, how could you possibly leave the army? Who's going to pay for your house? Who's going to pay for your meals? Who's going to pay for your health insurance? You know, who's going to provide you a job? And so it was the first real freedom that I felt by having assets. It gave me the flexibility to make choices that other people were afraid of. So, you know, in transitioning away from the Army, I got accepted to a couple different colleges, ended up in Milwaukee School of Engineering, okay. initially for architectural engineering. I ended up picking up an associate's degree while in the Army in professional aeronautics. But um, after attending architectural engineering for a year, uh, felt a little not challenged by the program, transitioned into biomedical engineering, um, but then I saw a window of opportunity. So I started in finance as my mom was learning finance. I realized the value as it provided me an opportunity to leave or separate from the military. Mm -hmm. And then when I had an opportunity to get into financial services and identified some great mentors in the Milwaukee area, I made that transition. What a story. What a mouthful. That's cool. That's really <laughs> great. That's really cool. You know, the way that I see this as an outsider and my sort of unique perspective is it takes somebody that's very detailed and can follow some very specific set of instructions, not only to be sophisticated enough to save money and to put it away and have a plan to do so. But I think your skills as a helicopter pilot and the details that go into flying a helicopter has transitioned nicely into your skill set to what you do now. And that story is is fantastic. Actually, I have something to relate to that. One thing I'll tell you, in the military, even though flying helicopters was a very complex aircraft and all kinds of different mechanical sure. things, the military, by nature, teaches everything from what they say on an eighth grade level or lower. So even though you're praising my technical knowledge and, and seeing that transition, I actually think as I as I interact with clients, I try to use that. And instead of talking at a technical sure, level, sure. Yeah. I try to relate to people and tell stories and draw pictures on a piece of paper, because even if you are an expert at a certain thing, it's your ability to relate that to a person. Absolutely. That's 100% right. 
I find that the same in my business too, you know, and it's when you're speaking about something that you know about to somebody who's not familiar with that, it's easier to try to to break it down as simple as possible. Um, it'd be wrong of me not to say that if the military teaches at an eighth grade level, then I'm supposed to assume that eighth graders can fly Apache helicopters. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> I'm sure it takes a little bit more than, gosh. I tell you, I mean, it was quite the experience flying Apache helicopters and, you know, being, we actually self-deployed from Germany um, in 1991 to Northern Iraq. And of course, as a a group, we took the scenic route. We weren't allowed to go through Switzerland. And so we flew along the French Riviera, the Italian Riviera. We stopped at the Leaning Tower of Pisa. We flew right into there really went across the greek islands into turkey and it was kind of shocking because here in you know in april of 2001 we're flying into northern iraq and the mountains are snow covered Mm -hmm. when we know that there's a war occurring in the desert it was just kind of a different experience amazing had a lot of fun you're listening to Pioneering Personal Finance, featuring Robert Zizzo. All of your financial questions answered here in one place. So tell me about becoming a CFP certified financial planner and how that led you to where you are today. Yeah, well, being in the financial industry, you know, one of the more reputable or the most reputable, in my opinion, um, designation is a certified financial planner. Mm -hmm. So once I got involved in financial services, um, there's an experience requirement. Typically, you need three to five years of practical experience to actually use the certified financial planner designation. Uh, What I did was I started taking classes, which counted for continuing ed, which is required in the industry. and you know the financial planning curriculum it is teaching you how to do holistic planning you know you're looking at people's cash flow risk management asset accumulation estate planning okay. and trying to put that all together for a person um, tax planning is part of the curriculum and so to me that was you know opening my eyes from more of a sales capacity in financial services where you're identifying a product a person needs to more or less representing a person and looking at all their categories of needs. So Mm -hmm. again, I went through that course of study um, over 30, uh, about 30 days prior to the CFP exam, I took a prep course. And the first thing that was frustrating to me is I said, why isn't this prep course held the day before the exam so they'll feed me all of the information? Well, I was surprised after taking the prep course, I found out that it was going to require 30 days of study Mm. to get me prepared for this exam. It's quite the comprehensive exam. Back when I took it, it spanned over two days. Um, So I have an interesting story about that. You know, so up until the exam, you know, the the two weeks prior to the exam, I took off of work and I just studied 10 hours a day. I locked myself in the basement and I was drinking soda and eating candy bars and, you know, studying, creating flashcards and mm-hmm. all of this type of stuff. I go to the first day of the exam on a Friday night 
And I got through the exam, and I felt pretty good about it. I went home. At 2 o'clock in the morning, I wake up my wife, and I say, we got to go to the hospital. I think my appendix has burst. Oh, no. And she's like, okay. So we've rushed over to the hospital, and truly, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. My gut is killing me. And, and so we went through a bunch of tests, and I said, just so you know, I have the next half of an exam that's going to start in about six hours. And so identify the problem, cut it out if you need to. But just so you know, by seven o'clock, I'm leaving this hospital. And so after running an array of tests, we found out that actually I was having some intestinal issues due to my dietary choices over the last <laughs> right. prior two weeks. And yeah. so I was I was let out of the, the hospital, although with no sleep, went the next day, completed the exam, gotcha. and then found out a couple months later that I'd passed it. So quite the fun. That is a big story, yeah. I didn't mean to laugh at your, uh, your dietary choices, but <laughs> I was expecting you to say that it was directly related to the candy bars and the soda that you were drinking, that you just gave yourself a massive uh, digestive issue. So you have both a tax and financial practice. Why does that make more sense to do it that way? Well, first of all, again, having both a tax practice and a financial practice is relatively unique in the industry. There are some people that run the dual practices, maybe similar to mine, but most often financial advisors to work in the tax capacity, it's actually called an outside business activity. And a lot of financial companies or broker dealers actually prohibit financial advisors from working in the tax area. Okay. Um, to hmm. me, that is exactly opposite of what should happen. I feel there's so much knowledge to be gained from the tax side that it needs to be integrated to the financial side. And so I had an opportunity 15 years ago um, in seeing this connection of using the tax side. First of all, it's a great way of a, as a marketing system to get in front of people that have financial needs. Mm-hmm. A lot of consumers trust their tax preparer as a financial advisor, whether they are or not in trusting them in financial information. Sure. And so once we started that business model, um, me being a curious guy, um, it was the tax side that allowed me to use those financial planning skills in a different area. I got curious. And I'd so using the tax software, I'd say, hey, Kevin, I see your situation. What if we put money in an IRA? What would happen? What if we did, you know, sold an investment? What would happen? And so So by me asking questions of the software, I started to develop this better understanding of what now is tax planning. And even today, when I'm interacting with a customer, I have a perception of what the tax consequences will be of a certain transaction or effect, but I put it into the software and sometimes you're humbled by the outcome where you you understand the facts and figures. Mm -hmm. But when you actually put it into the software, you find out, oh, something else happened that I wasn't aware of. Along that way, we found some massive opportunities to help people if they're looking forward in their tax situation and being proactive. So let me get this right. You're saying that a client typically does not have an individual professional representing them for both tax and financial planning? 
That's correct. Most people either will do tax preparation on their own mm -hmm. or they have a separate professional that does tax preparation and financial planning. And I can't say that some people don't cross over and share that information so that the person is being represented holistically. But I'd say often really being able to, to serve both sides from a professional standpoint is the ideal way to really look at a person's situation versus viewing their taxes and viewing their financial situation. Do you have an example of how taxes and financial need to work together? I have hundreds of stories of how that <laughs> happens, but um, let me just talk about something that happened last week. I met with a, a customer of mine and we'll call her Kathy. Um, Kathy came to me as a financial customer when her mom passed away and she inherited a couple of accounts and these accounts had mandatory distributions as an inherited IRA to her. So I got to know Kathy and I collected, you know, even though I was already her financial advisor, I said, Kathy, let me start to look at your tax situation because I need to see if based on these distributions, we need to withhold taxes. Um, interesting enough, Kathy says, well, I haven't filed tax returns in years. I said, okay, well, let's just make take a look to make sure that's appropriate. And sure enough, in her situation, her husband's been disabled for a couple of years. Okay. He's getting social security that wasn't taxable and a disability pension check that wasn't taxable and she actually didn't have a filing requirement but in that situation she actually had capacity on her tax return that she could start to unwind some of her investments that will be taxable and this is where i just identified this last week so a year ago I looked at her tax situation and I made a recommendation. She had over $30,000 in a traditional IRA. Mm -hmm. We converted, we moved $15,000 from the traditional IRA to a Roth IRA. It becomes taxable on her tax return, but in advance, I saw that it would not lead to any tax. So let's quantify that. Yeah. A Roth conversion is taxable, but in her situation, putting in $15,000 after her deductions and personal exemptions, it led to no tax. Huh. So we went ahead and made that decision. I met with her last week to confirm, and again, I did not do her taxes, but it led to no tax. So Therefore, I was about to do it again this year. Take the other 15000 and do a Roth conversion. Started talking to her about changes that occurred in her situation. And interesting enough, her husband turned 65, so he still had Social Security, and it still isn't necessarily taxable, except his disability became his pension. So now his pension is taxable right. instead of disability not being taxable, and the pension is making his Social Security taxable. Kathy now has gone off of group health insurance through her husband's employer, and now she's on the Affordable Care Act health coverage and getting a subsidy. Gets the credit. Does she get the credit there as well? She does. Ah. So when I ran proactively, the effect of doing, actually it was just a $13,000 conversion. Okay. Last year we were able to do 15,000 and it led to zero tax. 
Any guess what $13,000 was going to cost her this year in tax? Is it uh, the entire amount, if it were the whole uh, thirty? It actually, the $13,000 led to about over $4,000 of additional tax hmm. that would be due to Kathy. And it wasn't from the conversion alone, but that conversion now makes more Social Security taxable that wasn't okay. and would have taken away a portion of her subsidy from the Affordable Care Act. Gotcha. So we can run all those numbers in advance and see the effect of the decisions that we're going to make. And so the story, it's a great story of what I was able to do last year. The sad part is this was her situation for five years prior that I could have continued unfolding accounts that will be taxable later sure. during a period of her life that they were not taxable and yet, unfortunately, nobody gave her guidance. Mm. She had a financial advisor. She had recommendations she didn't need to do a tax return, which was accurate. Mm -hmm. But had somebody been looking at her, her financial and tax situation, they would have found out there was a window of opportunity for her. Very interesting way that taxes and financial works together. It's a little bit Portuguese to me, but I'm learning a lot. I think this is great. And that's what we hope our audience does too. We hope our audience really picks up on some of these, you know, super cool ideas, right? It's a, a new collaborative way of working your entire financial picture together. Okay, Rob, so tell me about this tax planning first business model. Well, what I mean by that, Kevin, is when I sit down with people, um, not only are taxes part of the picture, mm -hmm. they're typically the leading part of the picture. In other words, it's very important to have assets, to look at retirement goals, to make sure we have insurance, uh, cash flow, and things like that. But where people are lacking is the awareness of while you're working as an employee, there's not a ton of tax planning things we can do. But the moment you transition from working to retired, it opens up a massive opportunity because now your tax return can be controlled by where these distributions are occurring. Okay. And so what we do is always start with looking at where a person is now and we're aware of how we need to go planning so that in their future, over their lifetime, they'll end up having a lower tax impact by proactively planning. And you've expanded this model nationwide. Yeah, so more or less in our office, I'm a branch manager. I also am accepting new customers, but I also have financial advisors in our office. So right now we're representing over 1,400 customers for tax preparation. We have hundreds of financial clients. We're working relationships through employer groups and through credit unions. Okay. And now that we've mastered this model, we've actually franchised the tax practice, Focus Tax Solutions, and now we're mentoring financial advisors, so people who already are qualified advisors on the financial side, we're teaching them how to now offer this tax side which offers a marketing opportunity and what we feel offers a holistic approach to planning that should be in the industry. That's awesome. Can you share, do you have time to share another example of why tax planning first method works? When it comes to 
the tax situations that I see that are very common to people in retirement. Okay, people who want to retire early, um, the Affordable Care Act that was delivered under Obama, Mm -hmm. although there's a lot of political controversy over that, it is a massive opportunity for people to retire early. Okay, but it depends because qualifying for those subsidies is not based on your net worth. It's based on what we call a modified adjusted gross income. Mm-hmm. So I have customers that have extremely high net worths, but by choosing where they distribute their assets from, they can maintain a lower modified adjusted gross income and now receive those subsidies, which bridge the gap from early retirement until Medicare at age 65. Um, we're aware of the social security impact. Social Security by itself is not taxable, but when there are other sources of taxable income, it makes Social Security taxable. So we know how to navigate that. Um, And one of the massive opportunities that we plan around is most married couples, um, if or when one of them predeceases the other, the surviving spouse very often is going to lose the lower of the two Social Securities end up with less cash flow into the household and see their taxes increase. So we navigate through that. Um, Giving a specific client example, um, again, and this is kind of the surviving spouse story, and I don't want to sound like an ambulance chaser, but for people who were not proactive as a married couple, I just had a client that came in and his wife just passed away in February. Okay. Okay. So what happens from a tax first standpoint is I realize that this year, 2018, is the last year he'll file a married tax return. Mm -hmm. Starting in 2019, he'll go and start to file single. There's a substantial difference in what the tax rates are going to be for similar income for a married couple versus a surviving spouse. So this gentleman came in, and again, his wife also handled the finances. So he came in physically with a suitcase of statements back from 2012 and 401k correspondence and, you know, all kinds of different things. He walks in with the suitcase and says, "Um, I have a financial advisor over at the bank and he already moved one of my wife's accounts into this investment product. Mm. And I said, well, do you even have an inventory of what you have? He said, well, no. And I said, are you Mm. aware that your tax situation next year is going to be dollar for dollar worse than it is this year because of your filing status as married versus single? He said, no. And I said, let's just get started by going through the suitcase. Let's call all of these carriers and first identify before we make any recommendation, let's identify what you have. And so we're still sitting today after starting this engagement 45 days ago. I still don't have a clear picture of 
pension benefits that are available. We've got letters sent out, death certificates sent out, things like that. But we're gathering the information. We're going to make a smart tax decision. And then we're going to follow up with a strong financial plan and monitor that on an annual basis. That's really amazing. It really is amazing how you have that, you know, your experience has, has given you the foresight to be able to kind of see the whole picture and then having the tools of your trade to be able to predict before you actually make the decisions and find out what the best uh, route to take for your clients are. That's wonderful. And Kevin, let me just repeat what you said. You said predict. And I do agree 100%. You need to be proactive sure. with these financial decisions, not reactive. And that's the challenge that most people have is even their financial advisor who's projecting rates of return forward mm-hmm. is not being proactive, looking at the overall tax impact of what those accumulated assets are going to do. What is tax planning and why you should ask for it. Episode one of Pioneering Personal Finance featuring Robert Zizzo. Robert, thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you, Kevin. I appreciate it. Lots of education and we've got a lot to listen to. Looking forward to our next podcast. Thank you for listening to Pioneering Personal Finance featuring Robert Zizzo. Tax planning, tax preparation, and financial planning all in one place. You don't just have to listen. You can participate in each episode. Follow us on Facebook at Focused Tax Solutions to find out when to call in and chat with a financial professional. Securities offered through Security Service Network, LLC. Member FINRA, SIPC. Fee-based advisory services offered through SSN Advisory Incorporated, a registered investment advisor.